it's a lot of effort. It's, it's a numbers game and you got to have the mindset, you know, to get kicked in the teeth every day and then wake up the next morning and, and do it all again, knowing that eventually you're going to hit one. We're really disciplined in the assets that we buy. We have a really low strike ratio and we're looking for institutional quality assets. So we're always bidding against big institutions, you know, Blackstone and Graystar and losing very regularly to them. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest started buying commercial real estate 24 months ago. He started that business. He he and his business partner purchased their first piece of commercial real estate 16 months ago and are now competing on $50 million projects against institutions like, like Blackstone. His name is Ryan Webster. He's a real estate professional, entrepreneur, and an NHBA award-winning home builder. Ryan is a founder and managing partner of Equity Healed Group, specializing in multifamily. Uh, you're going to hear numerous things today about $50 million project, you know, competing with Blackstone. How did they get there? And how did they do it so fast? I know you're going to learn a lot today. Ryan, welcome to the show. Give the listeners a little more about, or tell them about, you know, who you are, why and why real estate, why commercial real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, Whitney. Ryan Webster. I'm a real estate professional and entrepreneur, founder of Equity Yield Group, and we're a focused acquisition investment firm. We acquire institutional quality A, B class multifamily assets uh, kind of across the Southeast. Prior to multifamily acquisitions, I owned and operated a construction development company for the better part of a decade. And then recently, two years ago, transitioned over into acquisition of stabilized assets, building new assets, stabilizing them and selling them, kind of mitigate some of the execution risk, you know, the availability to take advantage of the tax benefits with depreciation of stabilized assets, a little more attractive debt, you know, walking in with cash flow day one. No, that's awesome. So you have a construction background. I would imagine that that's pretty valuable when uh, doing value add or, or, you know, repositioning uh, large commercial real estate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even just with the general maintenance and repairs, having that, that background knowledge is, is very helpful, but we do look for a light to moderate value add component in most of our deals. So I do lean on that background very heavily. Nice. Well, I, you know, I want to jump right in uh, a little bit about you. I uh, just so the listener knows, uh, you've acquired 665 units in the last 12 months, uh, about 165 million, you know, worth or you have assets. So uh, let's talk through that a little bit. Uh, I'd love to know, you know, how did you do that? And I know the listeners thinking, man, I wish I could do that, right? Uh, or wish I had done that. Uh, give us some, I guess, some background on, you know, how make that happen. What, what does a listener need to have in place to be able to purchase that many assets or units uh, in? 12 months. You know, the, the first real thing, and I think this is important, not only in, in real estate investment, but in business as well, is, is really determination and grit, especially in real estate. You're, you're saying it's not easy. It's not. It, it, it's a lot of effort. It's it's a numbers game. And you, you got to have the mindset, you know, to get kicked in the teeth every day and then wake up the next morning and, and do it all again, you know, knowing that eventually you're going to hit one. We're, we're really disciplined in the assets that we buy. We have a really low strike ratio and we're looking for institutional quality assets. So we're always bidding against big institutions, you know, Blackstone and Graystar and uh, losing very regularly to them. But when we do win one, it's a very quality asset and we'll have the opportunity to sell back to Graystone and, and Blackstar when a ready disposition. What size project are we talking about to be competing with guys like that? Kind of our average acquisition is really 50 million. Uh, we don't do anything under 100 units, um, but it's very location driven, kind of in and around primary markets across the Southeast. What has helped you to be able to play really on the big boy stage, right? Uh, you know, you're not just competing with the average Joe there on these projects. Uh, give us a little background of your company or your brand or your team or, or whatever that is that's helped you to be able to 
compete for a $50 million project? Yeah, I mean, it's really, uh, it comes down to myself and my partner, Warren. And really, uh, when we set up this business, what we set out to do and how we are as individuals and business people, we tend to be very organized and very proactive in problem solving. And we've done a real good job of being easy to work with by virtue of being organized and people like to work with us. Um, and that kind of includes the sellers. You know, we do our best to get through the contract period as smoothly as possible. Typically we're turning around PSA in, in anywhere from three to five days. Um, usually run a pretty clean due diligence process. You know, the last year, everyone's been slammed. You know, the lenders are busy. Third parties are busy. Legal's busy. So we're typically, we're getting into LOI and moving towards PSA. We're, we're ordering third party reports, we're getting the lenders going, we're getting a legal process going and pushing everyone on the team along as early as we can to make sure that we're closing on time or early. And that's uh, allowed our reputation to precede us. Uh, how long have you all been syndicating or, or actually purchasing commercial? Yeah. So we started the company about 24 months ago, acquired the first asset 16 months ago, kind of snowballed after that. Nice. Okay. So, and I guess, you know, what I'm thinking through, like, I don't know too many people that in 16 months from the first project or even two years from starting, uh, you know, are buying $50 million projects. That's pretty impressive. Uh, congratulations, by the way. Uh, that's great. Uh, and so tell me, how are you raising money that fast as well? So, uh, you know, imagine if you're buying a $50 million project, maybe you all are, I mean, you're probably raising uh, 30 million, maybe you know, depending on the project, I'm sure, or CapEx. Tell me about, you know, how in 16 months you're able to raise that kind of capital. Yeah. And again, this is not the first company that I built and ran. So we've got some relationships that came along with that. Being on the development side previously, the capital stack on development deals is usually put together a little differently. You'll have your senior debt, a MES piece, preferred equity piece, and then you know, the common equity slug we usually brought in-house from the company, but it typically only represented maybe 5-10% of the total equity. Um, so depending on the deal and, and the needs of the project, uh, we do use kind of a diversified capital stack where we have some preferred equity institutional funds that we work with, place mezzanine debt on some deals before. The common equity slug is you know friends and, and family and you know, bringing other co-sponsors in, into the deal to raise from their network. Okay. What about just the confidence of, of syndicating these deals? Did you have a, a mentor or did you part of a, some other mastermind or group, I just like going, you know, from construction business to syndicating, purchasing $50 million project. Uh, you know, most people are, uh, and, and I think this is a limiting belief. I don't, I don't believe this, but a lot of people in our industry do, or in other industries and in other parts of real estate will tell people, well, you need to start small, right? You need to, you know, why didn't you buy that, that fourplex first, Ryan, or, or that 12 plex even, uh, but man, you know, in 16 months, you're doing a, a $50 million project. So did you just have the skill sets from other businesses and construction? What was that for you? Yeah, you know, a lot of the skill set did come from, you know, business experience in, in running and operating other businesses. Meet my partner, Warren, through a Think Multifamily platform uh, with Mark Kenny. Um, and, and I will say, you know, having gone both routes, there is a lot of value in mentorship. There's just things that you have to be learned the hard way, but you don't necessarily have to learn it through your own experience. You can learn it through someone else's experience. I think that's where the value of, of mentorship comes in is, is being able to kind of dodge some of these obstacles by being able to leverage the knowledge and experience of someone who's who's been there prior. No doubt about it. I couldn't yeah, speak highly enough of Mark and Tamil and think multifamily group. I know tons of people in that program and group and that have had much, much success. So I actually just had a conference this past weekend with, with Mark and uh, Tamil and, and uh, just always enjoy catching 
catching up with them. But I would say, yes, the a mentor is just crucial. It helps speed things up. You said it well, uh, as far as, you know, learn from somebody else's hard knocks, right? Uh, and so I could not agree more. You even met your partner through that group. Speak to your partner's roles versus, you know, your roles and why or how did you all know that that was going to be a good, good fit or partnership? You know, it really came down to developed very organically, um, which is rare and very convenient. But it came down to our, our investment strategy and thesis. Uh, we were looking at a lot of the, the same deals, a lot of the same markets for a lot of the same reasons, got working together, and then um, kind of kept working together. And it, it worked real well where the things that you know, you know, I didn't have time to do or didn't like to do, he would jump on and, and vice versa. Um, as far as you know, the acquisition side, we both play a role in there. Good to have a couple sets of eyes, especially now when you're underwriting deals and really to win a good investment. Now you have to see something that, that someone else missed and have support for the valuation and, and be comfortable with the basis right now. So having two sets of eyes really digging the data helps quite a bit there. Really tend to take the lead more on the, the operation side. And then uh, Warren kind of puts together the the team for, you know, the acquisition and moving into the, the contract period. That, that's helpful, right? And I think like listeners need to hear too, like I hear it all the time, whether it's uh, hiring or not hiring a mentor to partnering or not partnering. A client of mine I was working with yesterday, you know, he was asking about a uh, partnership. Should we partner? Should we not? Uh, and maybe you could speak to this, uh, you know, because I, I was just thinking through some things, you know, he needs to discuss with his partner before they actually say, hey, we're we're doing this together, right? We're, we're, we're under the same brand or, or we're moving forward together. Would you shine the light there as far as, hey, I've learned this from partnerships or we made sure that we talked about these things before we said, hey, we're moving forward together? Yeah, I can speak a little bit on that. Uh, initially, you know, I didn't come in to the mindset of, hey, I'm going to have a partner. I came in as like, hey, I'm going to you know, just build another business and, and we'll hire out a team as a business scales. Um, I just so happened to, to meet Warren and we happened to, to click and that's really where that developed. And I think that's really the most important foundation of any partnership is is there has to be some agreement in, in what you're doing. What is the brand that you're building? Why are you building that brand? For us, it was, you know, started with the focus on our investment strategy, you know, in this late model institutional quality asset. We didn't want to do, you know, C-class heavy value add. We weren't really heavy workforce housing. We didn't want to do anything at tertiary market. So, you know, we had an alignment in that. Um, and then the next piece was really on kind of the brand. You know, we're also passive investors and we, we've had experiences where we've invested with other operators where we've had limited to no communication. We've had once excellent communication and we decided that hey, we're going to be a very professional shop. You know, we're going to send out monthly updates on the 15th of every month. We're going to be available for our investors at any time should they have questions and that kind of level of customer service and communication and transparency was something that was important to us both and that uh, we decided if we're going to build this business, this is the framework that we're going to use. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. 
So, uh, and I think you've talked about a little bit a couple of times, at least even before we were recording, like doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. I don't think that's ordinary, right? That sets you apart in a big way. And, and we strive to do the same. It's, uh, a lot of people syndicate deals and buy commercial real estate, right? Man, there's always some that, that stand out more than others. Uh, and I, I would say you definitely are if you're buying, you know, moving that fast and buying $50 million projects. So can you speak to things that maybe that applies to the most? A few of the things in your business that, hey, you know what, we just strive to continue, uh, you know, just doing this extraordinarily well, even, even though most may seem this as a kind of a, you know, a, a medial, a minor thing over here. Hey, we just as best we possibly can. Yeah. And, you know, intrinsically, I'm just one of those individuals that, you know, wakes up every morning trying to be better than I was yesterday. But it comes down to, you know, the choice of am I willing to compromise on this and punt or do I want to stick to what I set out to do? And, you know, Warren and I choose, you know, every day, every decision not to move away from our investment criteria. You know, there's a reason that we chose to invest in these type of properties with this investment strategy. And we're not out just to to buy a deal to buy a deal. We want to buy quality investment and provide our investors with a quality investment and great risk just returns. And, you know, kind of the same thing goes with the communications and the transparency. We're just not willing to compromise, you know, away from what we set out to build. So speak to, you know, maybe buying uh, right now in the current market. I know you talked about like disciplined investment criteria and just speak to like how you're looking at these projects. And then I want to talk about even competing on deals with another group like Blackstone. Absolutely. You know, right now it's, it's tough. It's extremely competitive depending on the market you're buying and what property, you know, it used to be you get, get to a best and final, you'd have, you know, three people and put in your bids and you'd have a seller interview and then, you you know, somebody would win. Now it's it's, you know, best and final, best and final, 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 and sealed bids and interviews, and then maybe one more round and pricing guidances. Some people talk about the, they're told they're in best and final, but there's 25 groups in best and final. Yeah, it's like they cannot be best and final. And uh, it's crazy out there right now. And, and asset prices are absolutely insane. And the debt market shifting, and we knew that it was going to shift. Um, and that's been kind of an important focus, uh, even ahead of, you know, the Fed's announcement to move the index. Uh, it was something that was new was coming. A lot of deals last year were, were bridge debt, especially value add deals where you can cover the capex cost in the the senior note, so a little lower cost of capital for the project. You know those bridge loans are variable rate. We bought very aggressive rate caps on all of our floating rate debt, paid a premium for it, but uh, now we're definitely glad glad that we did we mitigated the risk of kind of exposure to that raising index. But yeah, it's extremely competitive right now. But our focus is really on the fundamentals of of the business in the property and the market that that business is located in. And when you're seeing, you know, rent growth in, in some of these areas in excess of, of 30% and asking yourself, hey, is this sustainable? No, one, it's it's not sustainable at that level. But two, you know, how far will rents rise and what's reasonable? Will they plateau or will they fall? Um, you really got to look at supply and demand of housing in that area. You know, we're in the Southeast because there's tremendous demand for housing. There's very high inbound migration. People are moving there every day. So the demand piece is there. And the next piece we look for is really, okay, okay, what areas are supply constrained and are there barriers to entry for new product? And as long as we can say, hey, nobody's going to build right next door and we're going to see, you know, vacancy come up and higher concessions, we've got the one piece of, all right, there's a reason rents are coming up. It's supply and demand driven. The next piece is really affordability for us. Rents can continue to go up because supply and demand until people can't afford them. And it doesn't matter if you're charging four or five grand a month for rent. People can't pay it. Bad debt's going to eat you alive. And it's really about what you're actually collecting, not what you're charging. So we focus really on the income to rent ratios in the area and then the growing incomes in the area. Thank you for laying that out like that. I think it's so smart too. It's like, well, rents may continue to rise, but hey, if the tenants can't pay it, 
it's not really helping you out here. Uh, it's just going to be bad debt. That's that's just a great point. Uh, what about this, this this trend in the real estate market? What do you see like over the next six to twelve months in real estate, and how do you feel about you know buying right now in your markets outside of you know what you just shared? Yeah, no, I still think real estate's a great investment. I think. There's huge value in being in in hard assets and being in illiquid assets uh, right now, um, and especially if those assets are generating cash flow. You know, I think there's going to be some turbulence with the debt market as things level out. But uh, compared to other investments, there's there's not a lot generating real net yield right now. Real estate's still performing very strongly, especially in these major markets. So you know, it's a place that, that we want to be, and it's a place our investors want to be. How do you prepare for a, a potential downturn? So you're buying a project, you feel really Really good about it. You know, you're, you're moving forward, but you know, worst case scenario happens six months from now, something in our economy that's worse than we expected or whatever, you know, like three bad things happen. You, you know, you thought you were prepared. How are you ensuring that you are prepared for something like that? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons we buy what we buy. We mitigate risk first and being in these strong and, and dense markets. If the properties we own only represent a very small percentage of the, the whole market, you know, it's a big shift's not really going to, going to take us down. Down, especially when you have very large, very dense populations that you know are supply constrained. Um, but it really, for us, it comes down to cash flow. Does it cash flow? Will it continue to cash flow? And then, if there is a downturn, you know, we don't have to sell. We'll continue to collect cash flow. So that's really what we look for: is to, to get cash flow day one, have the ability to force appreciation through a light value add program, boost that cash flow, feel very well protected against the downturn. Speak to uh, how do you stand out against a group like Blackstone or, you know, just thinking about the seller and the uh, certainty of clothes, those things when you're competing about uh, somebody like that? Um, Again, this comes back to, you know, being easy to work with. You can't be a pain in the butt to transact with. Um, And that is really the only advantage we have against these institutions. You know, they have huge discretionary funds full of capital ready to deploy. Um, they have massive portfolios. So the only thing that we can really offer is to be easy to work with. You know, we don't have a massive equity committee that's got to approve this deal. We're going to turn around PSA in, in three to five days. We're not going to drag it out. We're not going to have lengthy access agreements. We're going to be able to put up hard money day one. But that's really all, all we have is to run a little cleaner and, and more efficient process than these big institutions can. Do you think that that goes back to like broker relationships? like having that that broker relationship so they know that about you? Or do you think that's just assumed, hey, if we can do a deal with somebody smaller, something like a Blackstone, we're not going to have to go through all that process? No, I don't think it's assumed. We do have to, to talk the brokers and the sellers through it and really you know, pitch them on, hey, what's the benefit of transacting with us? And you know, we provide them our, our transactional references. And anybody who's ever transacted with us does speak very highly of their experience with us, which is great and allows us to continue buying properties. But yeah, it's definitely tough, but uh, we think it's worth it to have these better quality assets. What's the way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? It's just always focusing on the details. Like I said, with the, the shifting rate environment, uh, we've kind of changed our, our underwriting to include you know the forward rate curve on all floating rate debt. And then the assessment of if you're planning to include a refinance in the property, I think you really have to have a consideration to how that refinance is 
is getting sized. You know, the last probably 12, 18, 24 months, everything has been LTV constrained because the debt service has been so cheap. Well, that's no longer to be the case going forward. I think DSCR constraints going to be the thing sizing future loans. So I don't think you can just assume 75% LTV refi anymore. You're still going to have to hit that 125, 130 debt service coverage. And if the forward curve is showing, you know, rates at four, four and a half, four, seven, five, it's going to get very hard target to hit. What about uh, your best source for meeting new investors right now? Podcasts like yours, honestly. Um, that's where we get most of our, our traction for our retail investors is, hey, you know, I heard you on, on such and such podcast, uh, you know, like what you're doing, like to, to talk to you more about what you're doing. How do you think you stand out, you know, when you're, you know, presenting yourself? Are, are you there on a podcast or just to an investor in general uh, amongst other operators? Um, again, I, I think, uh, you know, Warren and I set out to, to run you know, a very tight operation and an investment firm that provides hopefully industry-leading customer service. We want to be available to our investors, a resource to our investors. If they have a question, they can pick up the phone and call us. Um, and then the communication and transparency. Uh, you know, we have our, our updates. We send a full financial reporting package every month on the 15th, along with uh, an asset snapshot. We track all, all the key metrics, You know what our performance is versus what our projections were. Um, so we, we lay it out for our investors at any given moment. They can log in their investor portal and see where asset performance is on any one of their investments. Nice. What about uh, some daily habits you have, Ryan, that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve this level of success? Really responsiveness is a big thing for me. And this is something, you know, I learned running earlier businesses, you know, if it shows up in your desk or in your inbox, you know, get it, get it taken care of there. Things can, can snowball real quick if you're not responsive on them. And, and then they're fresh in your mind. You don't have to, to tune up and remind yourself, okay, what was this? What do I need to address? It's right there. Take care of it right there and then and move on to the next thing. If you could pick one thing that's contributed to your success, what would that be? Yeah, determination really and grit. Uh, just like I said earlier, the, the willingness to get up the next morning and, and get up off the mat and do it again, um, especially when you're talking real estate acquisitions. We come in second place at a very professional level uh, where we're very good at losing. Uh, that's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, it, it's almost back to the mindset piece, right? The determination, the grit. I mean, are you... Yeah, you talked about getting kicked in the teeth and getting back up and doing it again the next day. You, you just know that from the beginning, right? Uh, what about uh, how do you like to give back? For us, it's about giving back to our investors. You know, uh, being a, a real estate professional and investor, obviously, it's about financial freedom for us, but being able to help our investors along their journey to financial freedom and, and provide them quality investments that mitigate risk that they can feel good about being invested in. Ryan, I'm grateful to have met you. I just think it's encouraging too that that uh, just a uh, kind of open the listener's mind a little bit to, hey, starting a business two years later, you're doing $50 million projects. Uh, that should blow their mind a little bit and, and just knock down some of those limiting beliefs. Uh, you and your your partner are making it happen, to say the least. Uh, just congratulations on that success. And and uh, it's normally many years before someone's competing with a, a Blackstone type of, of group or for that size of project. So that speaks to those extraordinary things that you all are doing, I think in a big way uh, that you're able to do that. Uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, no. And I mean, for that, you're absolutely right. It is limiting a belief. Um, you know, you're your own biggest obstacle there. But yeah, no, you can uh, get in touch with us these ways on our website at uh, equityyieldgroup.com. You can reach out and schedule a phone call with myself or my partner. You can subscribe to our newsletter and kind of stay up to date with uh, things we're doing and things within the real estate industry. 
Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.